Welcome to the Auto Action Rev Limiter. Your host, Andrew Clark, is joined by heavy hitters Paul Gover and Bruce Williams. Time to get down and dirty. It comes down to whether or not they're prepared to play the same game as him. You jump in the pool with the shark. Oh, I didn't know he was going to bite my foot off. Hello folks, I'm back and we're back to normal. No more of this Bruce being sensible and controlled while trying to steer the ship. We're getting back to being a bit more cantankerous and um, fun. No, 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 you're jumping to conclusions. <laughs> no, that's our job. You're supposed to be steering the ship and being quiet and calm. That's right, I'm steering the ship. And it was a big weekend of motorsport again. Supercars from Townsville, F1 from Silverstone with a headline axe. And of course, to help me get to the bottom of it all, on the line I've got my regular cohorts from Auto Action, Australia's leading motorsport publication for more than 50 years, Bruce. It is indeed. Bruce Andrew. Williams. Thank and you, Andrew. Paul Gover. Indeed. Um, PG, how are you today? Happy and smiling. You'll be pleased to know that I bought a copy of the very first edition of Auto Action 50 years ago, 1972, I believe it was. 71, Paul. 71. Oh, 1971, oh, mate. Well, do you like the way I introduced you there, Bruce? Correcting me as usual. Hey, I was a young smartass then, and now I'm an old smartass. <laughs> Some things just don't change, do they? They don't get any better, no. <laughs> exactly. Unlike a nice Shiraz, Paul, you haven't you haven't improved with age. <laughs> yeah, but they do get to a point where they go a bit nasty. Yeah, they do. I'm having a Bundaberg right at the moment, but you'll be pleased to know it's the Tropical Mango Sparkling Drink, nothing alcoholic. Oh, dreadful. Yes, we knew that would be the case. All righty, guys, let's get into this. Each week, find out what the men behind the V8 news know and what the drivers and teams are going to do next. It's interviews and opinions on Inside Supercars. My predecessor, Roland Dane, did a very, very good job. We're no longer shareholders of the build business. Personally, I think a 500 in the build up to the 1000 is, is a good thing. Tune in for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. Supercars from Townsville. We had a Ford win. Um, we had a championship changeover. Uh, we had lots of bickering, lots of arguing, lots of, lots of, lots of stuff. That was just us. I know. Crazy, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, we'll start off with Anton's win. Ford, Ford has finally got its first one past the post. So what do we make of it, well, Hang on a second. Why are we bypassing uh, Will Brown's win on Saturday? Because we're going to come back to that. What, we're going to start at the back and work our way forward? Yep. That See? doesn't make a lot of sense. See? Cranky Bruce back. Well, you know, okay, so let's get back to it. So this category is based on, thank you for the introduction, Andrew, this category is based on uh, technical parity. I'd like to argue it's about time they started looking at sporting parity. How can it be that a bloke has a dud performance on on Saturday, his car burns down, melts down, stops, doesn't go anymore, blah, 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 and he benefits from that by having an extra couple of sets of tyres for the next day. That's bullshit. They need to stop that straight away. But it's been happening like that. I don't have the technical stuff, and I'm sure that Clarkie does, but I think you'll probably find there'll be somebody on the red side of the fence who's benefited the same way in the past. Yeah, I'm not saying that they haven't benefited in the past. They have, Mm -hmm. but it needs to stop because we spend all this time coming up with all this technical parity, and all the Ford fans are out there whip themselves into a frenzy that Deeper Squally's won a race 
but he didn't really win it on on his on car speed or performance. He won it because he had four brand new sets yep. of tyres. Absolutely, and it's crap. So you're saying he's lucky, not good. Well, he can't be lucky because his car ground will hold on Saturday. <laughs> but the point is that he benefited from the fact that he didn't he didn't run any tyres. So he steps up. It brings it back to dare I say some of the performance in recent times when. Teams deliberately choose to have a bad day on Saturday because they have a dud qualifying performance and just say to themselves, oh, we're just going to use our old worn-out shag tyres for the first race. And But, gee, come Sunday morning, we're going to bolt four brand-new tyres on for qualifying. We're going to get ourselves up the front, and then we've got four brand new, four or six brand-new tyres to start the race with. But people have been doing that for a long time. It is bullshit. Well, this is crazy, though. You've told me not to talk about tyres in the past. Well, tyres, <laughs> I mean, that is the part of the secret business that commentators on supercars you know, they own that space. Hmm. But when it comes down to it, Chevy still dominated the performance at uh, in Tansville. They won clearly on Saturday. Cam Waters was fast for a short amount of time. Then the smoke started to come off the tyres and we went back the same old, same old. But, you know, Pasquale's performance, good on them. I mean, they deserve to have a win. They got good st- strategy and they had to work all night to get uh, Anton's car going and they had some weird stuff going with their fuel fills <laughs> on um, Saturday. Yep. And, you know, their strategy delivered them a good result. But was it on the base of performance or the fact that they just had better tyres than oh, anybody it, else? There's no doubt at all. It was a tyre-based win. Um, they didn't have the performance. He, uh, he had the tyres that gave him the advantage to be able to run that uh, more aggressive strategy and get away with it. So, yeah, tyres, um, which was the joke going around the paddock afterwards, was that uh, maybe the way to get parity is just to give the Fords an extra set of tyres for the weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, that'd be all right. Well, but they'd still find a way to complain about that, wouldn't they? I think they'd be okay. They'd to have do to that. carry the extra tyres in their transporters, and they'd <laughs> want some sort of a dispensation for that. <laughs> I'm sure they'd find a way around it. Oh, they'd be happy. They'd be happy if they got an extra set of tyres. So, Andrew, they had some parity uh, adjustments. They had two or three uh, engine map changes during the course of the season so far. They had uh, a significant rear aerodynamic change where the wing was moved forward. Had a very small gurney added to gurney wing lip added yep. to the back edge of the wing and dropped down a bit, and it was lowered. And the little rear spoiler was made larger and a little bit more of an angle. Yep. And that was on the back of the, the testing, the CFD testing. They discovered that in pitch, which is when the Mustangs under brakes and the nose is down, that it was unloading the rear tire. So Correct. they've made aerodynamic adjustments to do that. And now we've been told that um, finally. They're going back to what would be deemed to be a sensible throttle body size because, as you and I have known for some time, the throttle bodies being significantly larger than what supercars thought they should have and, it in fact, had a restrictor in it to bring it back down. So yeah. they've now gone to a different throttle body size for the next Yeah, it's interesting. Race. So supercars have been wanting to go to the smaller throttle body right from the start and Ford wouldn't do it. Um, now uh, it's happening. Are you sure that's right? Because... From my memory of this, it's all got very muddy because if you think about the aero package that's on the Mustang, that is what Ford Performance designed and put up, and supercars told them they couldn't have it. So how do you know what they have in their engine that supercars would or wouldn't let them have? I don't know. Oh, that's because, Paul, you and I, well, in the, in this case, you're either being uh, claiming a lack of knowledge or just defending your mates at Ford, but the reality <laughs> is that... I've known as well as you've known that there is a, there was a throttle body it was too big. Yeah. I had that conversation yeah. with somebody who builds engines for Ford who will remain nameless. Yep. He told me he had had a bigger throttle body than they wanted yep. and he wasn't happy that the restrictors got fitted. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, so that's coming. The um, the new throttle body will be in place for Eastern Creek. 
sorry, Sydney Motorsport Park. Eastern Creek. Um, no, call it Eastern Creek. Yep, but the thing with the uh, with the aero package is that Townsville is probably not the best place to test it for a start. I mean, there's not a lot of aero requirement there. We'll see a lot more of how it works at Sydney, uh, but it really is about relearning. I mean, there there were five rounds behind effectively the Camaros. Um, so we, let's assume that we might have got technical parity. We still got five rounds of learning to apply to it all. So yeah. I think we're not going to see. It's not going to be like Formula One where they bring in yeah. a change and it works. No, it's that's right. That's because their technology is so far retarded that they actually yes. don't know what it is they're changing. But I go back to it. I mean, if the Ford blokes are so convinced that they've got you know complete and utter technical disparity, then as I said earlier in the in the in the uh, the uh, season, maybe we get the Holden blokes for one race per weekend. They've got to drive with their elbow in the window. We could call that the Brock rule. Um, you know, because obviously it's a technical parody and these blokes can't drive any better than the others. So that's what they need to do. I think they need to mix it up. But uh, seriously, I mean, the fact is that the parody debate is is the big thing in town. It's all that's causing... I, I look at the social media comments and they're all bitching and moaning about it. So the sooner they get it sorted out and we can talk about something else, it'll be much better. What about the battle for the championship between the teammates? Oh, no, we'll get to that in a second because I want to, we haven't finished Which teammates are we talking about? The Coca-Cola teammates or the Triple Eight teammates? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Coca-Cola teammates because the other two aren't teammates, clearly, after uh, after SVG. Yeah, we're sidestepping the conversation. Where are we going now? We Andrew? haven't gone yet. Chaz's comments about the um, about the cars, I mean, he didn't think they actually got anywhere with them. So, you know, he was very, very critical of it. Uh, most of the drivers were as well. And uh, according to Kev from Dunlop, um, the Fords have a measurable amount of extra wear on the rear tyres than the front tyre, than the right. uh, Camaros. Right. So, um, you know, question is whether it got anywhere with it. But can they get through this with suspension set up? Like, is, is this about just them working out how to make the thing work now? As I said, the um, Camaros have been doing it for five rounds. The Fords haven't. So um, do we see a different thing at Eastern Creek? Well, again, it comes down to the fact that their aero imbalance could it be because the front spoiler or the front splitter on the... Um, Mustang, which is significantly different to what they first homologated the car, is actually generating a bit more downforce than uh, the Camaro and giving it a, a turn-in advantage, if you like, or a front aero imbalance, giving it more front grip and therefore unloading the, the rear tyres. It's hard to know. I mean, look, this is going to go on and on and on. And I, to be honest, I'm a little bit sick of it. I, me too. But it still comes, down to, still comes down to mechanical preparation. There's still a number of teams that should perform better than they are. Yep. And they're not finishing races for whatever reason. Maybe and the steer the old steering rack issue seems to have raised its ugly head again. They've they've reinvented the world and come up with a brand new bespoke steering rack for these cars, and it's turning out to be a little bit on the fragile side. <laughs> well, there are a couple of mechanical components that need a bit of a rework, but the um, we work we work. Yep, the steering rack is certainly one of those. Steering whack. Yes, steering whack. And the gear shift tower and on and the wheel nuts. Shall we keep going? No, we shan't. So we think we think we um, we're getting somewhere on the parity issue. We are getting somewhere. The question is, are we getting there fast enough? Um, but only time's going to give us that answer. And I think Eastern Creek's going to give us a lot more answers about the um, the aero parity part of it. Um, and uh, then obviously the bend is going to punish them as well. So um, yeah, we we will know a lot more in a couple of rounds. Um, and the um, the question is, is that going to be way too late to keep the Ford fans happy? Have we lost them? Look, I, as far as I'm concerned, as long as we have an even fight. Tech, whatever parody label you want to put on it, as long as we have an even fight at Bathurst, that's all we're going to get out of this year. If if that goes all right, then fantastic. I think everybody's going to be happy. Yep, that's where I said Bathurst is the focus now, not the championship. Yep. The championship. Bruce, you teased us before. It's alive, isn't it? 
it we is alive, Andrew. Been handed and, over. And the uh, it is alive, and we've got uh, the two young blokes at uh, Erebus Coca Cola Racing um, slugging it out. Uh, young Will Brand had another solid weekend on and uh, with a win on Saturday. Brody got caught up in uh, some qualifying misadventure and struggled in that first race. So Will's taken the lead. Brody uh, came back on Sunday and was strong, and sort of so the the gaps, the difference between the two is. Uh, Fairly insignificant. What is it? It's only seven points. Seven points. And so, PG, this is the halfway point of the season, which means reminds me that we need to do our halfway um, review yep. for the next issue yep. of Auto Action. Seven points. It's almost unheard of to be that close at this point in the season. Well, the other thing that I find interesting is that they haven't actually been racing each other very much. <clears throat> One seems to have a good week, a good race or a good weekend, and the other, ha- like, it, it hasn't turned into a, you know, a drag down, what's it, drag out, slot down, whatever it is, yeah. battle between the two of them wheel to wheel yet. I think, and they are still getting on together very well. It hasn't got nasty, unlike some of the other people on the weekend whose names may or may not be the Red Bull drivers. But um, <laughs> I think there's, uh, I think it's good that it's going the way it's going to be. But I think the fans, and I know I would like to see a, a full on battle between Brody and Will. Um, before this year goes away, yeah, I think the camaraderie between the two. Do of you those think is quite Barry would get on the phone and 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 um, if he didn't like the way it was going and ask him to swap positions? Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, of course he would. You know what Bass is like. He would just he wouldn't be very subtle about it, though, would he? Well, I just say I think Baz would just say get on with it, and the only time Baz would get involved would be if the two ran into each other. Otherwise, yeah, I think just go and let him go at it. I don't think that's going to happen. But what's interesting is that it's not just the the first and positions, first and second position in the championship is closed up to the very small gap. The actual top four. So you've now yeah. got uh, Brock Feeney and Shane Van Gisbergen. Yeah. The gap's narrowing up. Seventy two um, points between the four. Yeah, it's it's a very small number, and it would have been uh, it would have been interesting had Shane not been told to uh, swap <laughs> positions. It's also in the uh, championship points. The team's championship is closed up a little bit as well. There's not a lot of points in that now. There's only like 90-odd points between um, Erebus and Triple And it's clearly the two teams that have got on top of their cars the most um, are the ones that are dominating. So we've got um, yeah, two, 2,707 for Erebus and um, 2,616 for Triple Eight. So and 755 uh, points behind Brad is uh, BJR's first two cars, and they had a solid weekend. Yep. Andre was good all weekend, and his mates in the middies car, uh, Bryce Fullwood. Bryce was was there and thereabouts, and he was strong in Darwin. So those two cars are obviously going along all right. Yeah, so all power to them. I did pick Andre for the podium, by the way. Question, guys: Has Chaz got a chance, or is it all? No, over no, here? not at all. No, Chaz got no chance. No chance. Silly question, really. But anyway, um, <laughs> no just just make it sure. No, He's, uh, the championship fight is between those four. The two Erebus drivers and the two um, two Triple Eight. Oh, yeah. Actually, probably only be one Triple Eight driver by the look of their behaviour on the weekend. So oh, I don't know. I don't know. I want to be careful. Shane might accidentally lean on one and fire him off into the scenery. That's if Chad sees the season out. Have you forgotten how he treated Jamie in Jamie's last season when, when he was just trying to get his farewell win and he pulled his pants down and pointed his winky and laughed? No. Shane is not done yet. And let me tell you, if he is going over to NASCARville, He'll want to sign off with another championship. Yeah, I get that too. Uh, let's spend a little bit of time on um, on Shane for a second. 
He was very happy in Chicago. Yes, and he wasn't when he came back, was he? No, he wasn't. So what do we think? What's your gut feel, guys? Well, Andrew, I would like to raise, that's a very, very interesting point. And you had one of your many great things that you did when you were in America was you had a sit down with Scott McLaughlin. Now, Scott and Shane were uh, massive rivals back in when in the last few seasons, Scotty. They both uh, Kiwi bros, you know, yep. um, both at each other's throats. But there's a huge amount of respect between the two, and it turns out they're actually they're friends. Yeah. <laughs> and um, you you were lucky enough to catch up and have a sit down with Scott, which is great, and that's coming up in a feature in the, in a few uh, in the next issue. Um, but uh, one of the things that Scotty's saying is that the politics got the better of him. In supercars, he's never been, you know, the politics in Australian motorsport in supercars is outrageous compared to IndyCar or NASCAR or anything else. And he says that Shane just needs to get out. And you can see the look on his face, you know, like he's he's not happy being here. And it's the small it looked about He looked about as happy as he was when he was at, at Erebus. I think it's it's the small-mindedness of, of the – in reality, it's a small sport. Hmm. And uh, the uh, people haven't got a lot to talk about, so they just keep digging around until they find something. I, I actually think it's a bit different to that. I think that the um, there's been people playing in this sport who played the games of politics way too hard, and it's created divisions and it's created unrest. Um, you go to America and you watch the NASCAR guys. I mean, there is clearly parity issues in the NASCAR, but have you ever heard them talk about it? No. They just... They deal with it deal on with the track. It and they move on. And if they've got an issue, they're going to give a bloke a whack. Yep, exactly. And, uh, yeah, the teams get into each other. It's great. Yeah. And not, the, None yeah. of this pussy stuff here. So you reckon bring back the beef in supercars? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Should we have ever got rid of it is the question. But, um, yeah, I think it's a very different marketplace. But, they, again, Andrew, sorry, they, Paul. They just you've, triggered, so, you've triggered another memory. <laughs> you can't bring back the Biff into supercars for one simple reason. It was never there. These cars are made <laughs> out of tissue paper. One touch, you know, <laughs> the crap. Not like those cars that are made of RSJ and various other strong stuff in NASCAR. Again, it was just reinforced on the weekend, these cars, how piss weak they are. Well, it's the cost also of the um, the, the, fiber, the um, carbon fibre parts. I mean, No, it's not that. You, if you, who cares if they tear bodywork off them? Bodywork is disposable. What the problem is, when they bump into each other, and suddenly fourteen thousand dollars for a front. Yeah, yeah, but it, but what stops them racing and and doing this is when they have suspension troubles. They bump into each other, and power steering doesn't work. Nobody cares if you tear body panels off the car and keep going. It's when you bump into each other and have to stop. That's what the problem is. Absolutely, but you saw the NASCARs, you know, put nose into the tyres, they pull themselves out and off. Yeah, 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 I know, I know. You know. They can tap the wall with the wheels, off they go. You know, the supercar's not that dirty. Would you like to see somebody try and do the Ross Chastain wall of death in a supercar? <laughs> how, far, how far around the corner would you, do you reckon would it get? Um, speaking of uh, getting back to what we're talking about, sorry to viewers got sidetracked there. Getting back to um, SVG, we sort of, Forgot around it. You know, we have this farcical situation where after the race, you've got the team principal and the chief engineer trying to justify to the world why it was that one driver who was in front of the other had to slow down and let the other bloke go past because, oh, there was a, a, a break in communication. Well, I don't know whether their radios weren't working or not, but everybody that was watching it on TV could. Communication <laughs> was working all right. Yes, sure. And uh, Shane made it pretty clear that the other bloke was smoking his tyres off the corners and at the end of the day, 
he waited long enough before he got past them. And as soon as he passed them, oh, you know, don't forget, if you can't have a crack, you've got to pull back behind. Like, give me a break. <laughs> well, from what I saw, there was no instructions beforehand to Shane that that's what the deal with him passing him. And he passed him fair and square. And I think it was a bit unfair. Yeah, but they'll go straight back to the, the team policy is. The team policy is. That'll be where they're going. Same as McLaren in Formula One. The team policy is Lando gets all the new stuff and the other bloke can follow along behind. The, the time Frank Gisbergen jumped Brock Feeney and Bray gave it back, right? This is not the first time that the Giz has done that to Feeney. Feeney, it's happened to him before. Now, the reality is that, um, you know, I mean, Van Gisbergen looks after his tyres. He waits to pounce. Of course he does. Um, so what is the difference between pouncing on a Brock Feeney or pouncing on a... No, that's you know, exactly a right. Or whatever, they're, you know? they're exploiting... Shane's, Shane's skills are now being effectively eroded because they, they weren't happy with the result. Yeah. And so you've got a bloke who's, um, who's unhappy. And bear in mind, if I remember correctly... He'd come from last. Last. He got turned around on the opening lap. It was a cracking drive. So it? he should be getting the biggest rewards possible. They should have a special award for Superstar of the Weekend. Shane Van Gisbergen, come on down. We made tw- there are other <laughs> blokes that started at the front of the field and ended up going to the back of the field. <laughs> so you know, my thing is that Van Gisbergen is clearly not as happy here as he was over yeah. there. Then you do something that makes him even unhappier. Yeah. Are they driving you away from it? And we also know that there's tension in this team because um, when Van Gisbergen criticised the car earlier in the year, yes, well, it was Andrew. the team we believe yes. that told him to calm yes. down. Yes, there's all this poor old Scafie got beaten up and he, he was obviously critical of, of the verbal verbal assault that, you know, Shane wasn't happy. But it's starting to leak out now that it wasn't exactly uh, necessarily uh, supercars themselves were annoyed about um, Shane's honesty with his, with his views about the cars was in fact his own team because, lo and behold, they were responsible for engineering the car and the fact that he couldn't fit in it seems to be a little bit of an oversight. Yes. Yes. So maybe they were trying he to... He fits in now since they changed it, but yes, yeah. I remember the original thing where he couldn't get in through the door opening. Yeah. And it would have been a bit of a strange thing given that they were responsible for the major engineering part of the car. Yeah. Anyway, I think it's a watch this space. I think there's tension and it's going to keep on growing the tension. Um my gut feel is that um, that he, he's not going to be here. We said this last week. Remember? Yes, we've been I saying it. Is he going to be here? here? He will not be here next year. No, we already said that. Yep. Well, to add something to that, how much would he have got paid out for winning Chicago? Well, he probably probably got paid more than what he gets paid for one year in supercars. No, no, he no, got no, paid no. more. Let's no. so he he wouldn't have got the whole payout. No, even a million dollars. How much is he paid as a driver? The entire prize pool for Chicago was seven point five million dollars. So that's to go over the um the, the whole field. 30, 42 cars that were in the field. Mm-hmm. Um, so at most, you know, the payout might have been ten percent to the winner, which is seven hundred and fifty thousand. Um, he would not have got the entire payout because none of the deals have them with the whole payout. So he might have got, you know, four or 500000 for it. might have got a couple of hundred thousand. Who yeah. knows? I reckon he would have got something out he of it. He would have got something, but he wouldn't have got, um, he, he wouldn't have got, he wouldn't have beaten his, um, his year's salary for supercars. So, but he would have got a good payout. But I think what that did was that would tempt him. He would now know what he's worth over there. Because, I mean, Marcus Ambrose was making millions a year out of his stuff and he wasn't doing as well as the Gizwood. So that's one thing. A quick recap on things. So um, where we're at now, we've had um, 13 poles to Chevrolet, 4 to Ford. We've had 15 wins to Chevrolet, 2 to Ford, and 42 podiums to 1.5 wins 
They yeah. didn't win that. The other blokes got disqualified. Should I know. It counts as a win, though, mate. Technically, we've got to put it that way on the. Uh, if you're Cam Waters and you, you're, you're negotiating your contract at the end of the year and you've. You'd, you'd include that one win, wouldn't you, on your results? Well, especially if you're negotiating with Jamie Winkup to go to Triple Eight next year. Well, uh, he won't be doing that. Why, why are you saying that? Um, well, I can't tell you. He's the, got, <laughs> because, because Tickford have got a very, very good solicitor. Oh, I know him. He happens to part owner of the team. No, I think you'll find um, Cam Waters is going absolutely nowhere. Um, the two questions. So let's talk well, about When drivers. you say he's going nowhere, are you talking about his... Staying within the team or just his performance on no, track? No, he's staying with Tickford. Yeah. Um, so uh, let, let's talk about driver movements for a second. So if Van Gisbergen does go, who is going to drop into that seat? Um, we know it's not going to be Cam Waters. Um, who is it going to be? Is it Will Brown or is it Andre Heimgartner? Well, it would have to be somebody that is – Is I still don't think Brock Feeney is good enough to be leading a team. It needs to be somebody who's got a bit of clout, a bit of sensibility and a bit of maturity about him who, um, you know, um, has got a bit of – so yeah, could it could be? I mean, Will Brown surprisingly enough fits into that. Um, don't know. It's a bit of a it's a bit of a big it's a big position to fill. Mm. Um, Triple Eight have always had a Jamie Winkup or a um, who was that other bloke that used Lounge. to be? Oh, Craig Lance, that's right. <laughs> that bloke or a um, Shane Van Gisbergen. That old bloke. Yeah, yeah. They've yeah. always had like a proper, you know, chat experience. Pre- a cha- someone who, with with championship material. So well, I don't know, maybe. Courtney, they might wheel him out. And he's, he's older than me. They've got a hatch in the roof so they could drop him out of his wheelchair and lower him down through the roof. Well, especially right. if, as we hear, that um, Tickford's looking to be the team that gives up its extra two seats oh, to, um, to supercars. Oh, gee. Where did you hear that? <laughs> Where did you hear that, Andrew? <laughs> Was it? Yeah, yeah. So, because um, we know supercars are trying to get the two back um, as exclusively yeah. spoken about. Oh, yeah, well, that's the point. You know, uh, the other tossers are out there running around trying to find a place for the 26 license. There ain't going to be 26. There's only going to be 24. There'll be 24 next year. We know that. And um, if Tickford give back. Their... I don't know if it'll be next year, but it'll be soon. No, it'll be next year. You think so, Andrew? Yep, absolutely. Okay. It'll be next year. Um, and that will give Blanchard their extra one. Andrew, you just used the wrong word there too. You said Tickford give back. Oh, have you ever Sell. seen a team Sorry. give something? Yes, sells the correct word. The question is for how much. It's not going to be um, what I understand. What, what do you reckon they're worth? A million dollars? No, I think it's about a $2 million. Two? It'll be about $500,000 more than they're going to be paid for ultimately. Mm. Yeah. What other driver movements we're hearing about? We pit Nick Perkat? No, he's gone. Who's going to drop in there? Oh, sorry, you're talking about Nick Perkett going to Triple Eight? No. Oh, no, there's that, that could never happen. That's definitely <laughs> not going to happen. Um, well, someone come up with some inspiration. Who's no. going to replace Shane when he goes? Come on. Well, we've It's a pretty been... thin list when you look at it, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. That's... Yeah, well, the question is whether they have to drop a superstar in or whether they're going to make another one. Well, they've made, one, they've made a couple already. Yeah. And why does it have to be somebody from Australia? See, in the old days... And I say the old days, with Roland Dane in charge, we wouldn't be having this discussion just up and down the pit lane or even Super 2. Roland Dane had a habit of bringing people over, um, often as guest drivers and things, but some of the best touring car drivers in the world have driven for Triple Eight over the years. Yeah, but they'll have to do uh, some Super 2 races to get a licence. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> they would have to be, they'd have to come over here now. And they wouldn't get it. They wouldn't be able to get into the seat until halfway through next year. Daniel Ricciardo is going to have to do the Super Two Series first. Dan couldn't drive a touring car. <laughs> Why not? Because he wouldn't. He wouldn't be able to. No one would put up with driving a spool if you've never driven with one. Yeah. And that was one of the things about the NASCARs, if you noticed over there too. They all turned around corners without having to pick up their wheels and bounce off curbs because they don't run a spool. Yeah, spool difference. But anyway, um, anyway, alrighty. 
Are we done with that? Do you think we, we if we solve the driver problem for next year? No, not really. No, and we're yeah. not going to for some time yet. I don't reckon. There will be plenty of talk over the next few weeks. Plenty of talk over the next few weeks. Uh, let's uh, fly all the way to England and um, have a chat about Oscar Piastri in Formula One. Amazing effort, I thought. You know, good effort. I, th- I thought it was great that he beat Brad Pitt as well. <laughs> it was great to see Brad-, Brad Pitt on the grid, wasn't it? Didn't it? <laughs> Standing there yeah, and everything. confusing for some people. <laughs> but they've uh, no, they've gone to a fair amount of trouble with that movie. We, we need to get back to the important stuff. So yep. this goes back a couple of weeks to when Lando Norris had the – he got an updated – aero package for for Austria um, and it was about 80% of what they ended up running at in the British Grand Prix. Uh, Oscar had to run the existing package and even then he was not far off the money. He was in the top 10, you know, he got caught out like just about everybody with that uh, track limits thing. But when we get to Silverstone, there's another update to the McLaren, which Lando got the complete upgrade. So Lando's now got the full package and Oscar got the the 85% upgrade. So he basically got the aero package that Lando had in Austria, um, less the slightly new front wing and nose, which Lando had. But for him to be able to put it third on the grid, given that he was second after the Q, during Q2, was pretty impressive. And then um, he suffered a, a dose of the Shanes as well when uh, the team told him, um, oh, no, you can't pass Lando. You need to back off and give him some space. <laughs> because uh, there were too much pressure being put on. But no, no, that's, I mean, it was genuinely exciting, but not surprising. Yeah, that makes a lot, look, at, at the moment, that makes a lot more sense for them to keep him behind early in the race, blah, 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 you know. Lando's got more points at the moment too. Yeah, yeah, that one that one makes a lot more sense than the than the 888 one in Australia. And also too, they, they used Oscar effectively to protect Lando's second position in the race because... Yeah. For a few laps there, the Ferraris had a little bit of pace. Yeah, didn't last long. It only lasted five <laughs> or six laps, and then they started to drop off a couple of tenths every lap. But yeah, you know, to, to to show to prove Oscar's real speed in that early part of the race, he dropped out of the DRS zone and fell back into uh, Leclerc's DRS zone, and Leclerc <laughs> Leclerc couldn't make ground on him. Yeah, and then Oscar cranked it up a bit to get away from him and got back to Lando. So, you know, there's no no doubt about it. He was very cool and calm. They kept asking him if he was awake on the radio. Have you got anything you need, mate? No, no, I'm all good, thanks. Anything you want me to do? That, that's the thing. That, the speed is impressive, but I reckon the maturity of that kid is amazing. And his calmness, and they all yeah, say that's what I mean. He's mature, he's calm, he gets on with the job. He's not throwing the toys out of the pram, either about the bits he had, didn't. Have you heard him this season once complain about the car? No, he just gets on and does the job. Mate, once, once he gets a sniff... In future, he's just he he's just going to motor away from most of these bikes. Yeah, and I know the Poms were all raving about Lando Norris's drive and drive of the day, drive of the day. I actually think it was Oscar because his car wasn't the same as Lando's, um, yet he really wasn't that far away from him. Was and and particularly time. too, I think George's comment was so. Just to give the viewers uh, some perspective, um, Oscar had pitted under full full with under full race conditions. And then obviously a few laps later, there was a, a virtual safety car and then a full safety car, which allowed Hamilton to, to jump him. And I think Hamilton went to mediums or softs. I can't remember what it was. He might, I think he might have gone to softs. He softs. was on a different tyre again. Yeah. And of course, McLaren, are, um, McLaren started on mediums and they're gun shy with the softs because whenever they put the softs on their cars, their cars turned to crap like they did in Spain. 
So they elected to go to a full hard, but it was really interesting. George, after, at the start of the race, you know, Oscar was had the two had a Mercedes in front of him and one behind him, and you know, George made the comment how how unbelievably fast the uh, McLaren was with its hard compound tyres. So, you know, there's genuine speed there. But I, what I also like too is that Oscar was fast when the track was damp. Yeah. So he's not just fast when it's dry. He's fast, you know, when it's slippery. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's it's great. Um, you know, it just reinforces what some of us have been saying for five or six years about just how capable he is. What about the opening couple of laps too? And he's the, he got the best start of the top three. Yeah, he had nowhere to go. You know what I mean? He was actually going punch for punch with Verstappen after the yeah. Brits were going, oh, how are you going to go alongside with Lando alongside you? Lando and this and Lando that. And then you look at our young bloke who was tearing them up. He's certainly a star. And I, I, I don't understand you, poor old Andrew. The racing in Formula One, I say it again, the clo- it's the closest that it's ever been in terms of the overall number across the field. I agree. Except yep. with the exception for the uh, for the Dutch, who has obviously got a margin, but a reduced margin now. You've got to start watching it. I do watch it. You do? You don't yeah. look very interested, Ian. No, I think as soon as, you, as soon as you know who's going to win the race, then you know who's going to win the race before it's even started. Oh, I think yeah. it takes a whole element out of it. Imagine if you didn't have that there. If you, you know, they're, they're talking about ways of... of you know, bridging the gap between the other cars to to them and the whinging pom and the Dutchman sit there and uh, and say, well, you can't do that. Well, you didn't do that to Mercedes. Well, they did do it to Mercedes every year. They did something to try and slow the Mercedes down. Yeah, that's down. right. They, to the, the, the point rules where were moving. Helped, where they helped help Red Bull win the championship. You mean when they you mean when they stopped Ferrari cheating with the fuel thing? Oh well, they did. Yeah. They've done a lot of things. But where they've gone wrong, where they've they've and I just don't understand it. These modern cars are full ground effects cars, but. The, the underfloors and the and the side walls of the floors are so critical now. That's where all the development and the money's being spent. I just don't understand why they don't make them flat bottoms. Yeah. I mean, the cars uh, cars 20 years ago ran full flat bottoms, and it's the end of it. There's, there's the plane. You get the spirit level up. Sorry, mate, your floor's not flat. Go and put another one on. And, you know, this... They've 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 just they've just evolved the cars into spending money in in different areas. It's what goes on underneath the car now that you can't see. At least before, when Mercedes or McLaren or Ferrari sprouted a new wing on the mirrors, you, you could can at least see it. see it. Absolutely. Nowadays, all this trickery you can't see. Well, until they go off at Monaco and heavy cars. Yeah. Oh, that'll be the reason why. <laughs> but it comes down to look. There's no doubt with the with the regulations with restrictions to the uh, aero testing, the wind tunnel testing that that the top teams are facing and with uh, Red Bull having been penalised for their little spending indiscretion last year, it's slowly starting to make a difference. And that's when you see teams like McLaren who basically don't have any restrictions, you know, you know, working towards a new thing. And and to me, it's really exciting. Forget about the fact that it's Oscar. For, the, for Formula One, it's like um, supercars. Supercars need for Mustangs to be competitive for the, for the good of the sport and you know, McLaren is one of the iconic teams. It's one of the beautiful teams of Formula One. We need to see McLaren and we need to see Ferrari and we need to see, you know, um, some of these older established teams being competitive. I mean, I was wrapped to see Albon fighting with the Ferraris. I mean, he passed them both in, yeah. in the back. How good was it to see a Williams? And they're, same thing, they're slowly getting their act together. Two years ago, that Williams, they were two and three seconds off the pace. How would the Williams be a monster? They were just a joke and a disgrace in in recent years. Well, that's exactly right. Albon could could perform out of his skin at somewhere like Monza. 
Yeah, absolutely. I've been saying already that there are they, they will surprise people at Monza that win at Williams. Um, unfortunately, they're not going to surprise people at Hungary. I don't think. No, no, but I, it'll be interesting to see. Um, you know, the, there'll be other cars that jump up at at, um, at at Hungary, but who knows? I mean, we could have a wet race. Um, there's a few people there, and it. Uh, I don't know what's going on at Alpine. They've keep finding new ways to bring themselves undone. Although, to um, the Gasly's credit, it was a a tool in a um, another car that cost him his um, his run. Yeah. Uh, but uh, speaking of that tool, the team he drives for, they've had a massive slip since um, since Spain. Gone yes. nowhere. Gone nowhere. We're talking about Aston Martin, of course. Yes. Oh, that's um. Yes. You're yes. being very quiet tonight, Andrew. You're looking at me quizzically. Get <laughs> lag. Poor old Andrew. He's flying from. He wants to know what you're buying for dinner, Bruce. That's what it's all about. I think, I think Andrew needs something to eat, get his blood sugar going. He'll be fine. My son's playing dinner tonight. I'm on a winner. I think Aston Martin have been so busy quacking on about their new campus. They don't have a factory or headquarters. It's a campus now. <laughs> so does that mean everybody who goes there gets a degree? I think what's happened is that the Aston Martin was a really nice package out of the box. Now, I'm not saying that they weren't completely and utterly under control, but this... Formula One stuff's a bit of a black art. Sometimes, like Mercedes, you know, you've got the world's best experts and you yeah. build this car and you think they're going to blow everybody off and it turns out to be a complete dud. <laughs> or sometimes, you know, a team can stumble onto a formula that produces a, re- a really great car. And I think Aston Martin had that thing where they probably built a better car than they thought they had. But they don't have the ability to find tune And they can't anymore. now. Yeah. They, they made that big leap and they're not quite sure where they've got to go. Yeah. I think you see, I think we're seeing great things from Mercedes and McLaren about um, improving their cars. And my question is whether or not they have a chance to catch Red Bull by the end of the year. <laughs> Sorry, that's me laughing. They have a chance to catch Red Bull? The only way they're going to catch Red Bull is if Sergio keeps doing what he's doing. So, Sergio... Thank you for bringing that one in. Um, right from the minute he said he was a championship contender and he was going to beat Max, um, he's done nothing. Are you a student of history? Do you remember Pearl Harbor? I fear I have wakened the slumbering giant. <laughs> so he's just going, yeah, yeah, that's all good, mate. I'm going to beat you. And Maxie goes, yeah, cop a bit of this. The other way around, though, Perez is the one who's dropped right off. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Is he being sabotaged? Oh, that's an outrageous. No, Max is just making him look bad. I don't understand what's going on with that side of the garage, but so many times it comes down to when he's on the track to do his qualifying. Now, in um, in uh, Spain, he inflicted that on himself. He ran off the track when he was due to have his qualifying run. so that's an own goal to uh, Perez. Then we had uh, refresh my oh, Austria. We had, you know, he only he could have driven around at seven tenths pace and got on the front row in Austria, but he insisted on pushing the car. And well, that's what I'm saying. He is he is trying to get to Max, and every time he thinks he gets close, and Max goes, and now I lift the bar a little bit. Yeah, but the point is, he he's actually it's it's not even that. Paul, it's fundamental, basic crap. He's not even getting close to challenging Max because he's not even getting on the in the. Yeah. How many times has he started in the back half of the grid in the last four or five races? I would suggest all of them. Yeah, you are correct. They should have been one two in every race. They should have been one two in every race. You're quite so, right. do they need to get rid of him? Mm-hmm. I would think that I'd like to know whether it's per, whether it's Perez himself or somebody on his side of the garage that just needs a good kick in the ass. I'm not sure, but you'd have to say right now that. Um, 
based on current performance, based on the fact that both of those cars should be on the front row of the grid for every single race, yeah. then that tells me that they need to get rid of him. Now, I'm actually a Perez fan. I think he's done a great job through his career. But something's not right there. I don't know whether it's a mindset, where he's lost the plot. Or, again, I say that their strategy department has just completely gone haywire. Yeah. You know, and there's all this chat about Dan coming back, and that'd be great. You know, it'd be great to have two, two Aussies on the grid, but it ain't going to happen. There's too many talented young kids out there that would slot straight into yeah. that spot. I don't... You put Oscar in that car, and he'd be as, he'd be probably as fast as um, as Max. And people are going to say, oh, that's bullshit, because I look at all the bullshit Facebook face. But that's the reality. They know how good he is. Yeah. And the reality there, though, is that um, Oscar's, as a young guy, is much more level-headed than Max was. So oh, he's very calm. He's not going to do the same sort of stupid things no. that Max did when he was young. No. But, um, yeah, so Perez, they should replace him. I think they will They will replace him. With Albon. Well, possibly Albon's lurking. I mean, that's the big thing about it. I mean, we're not even to the halfway point of the Formula One thing. I mean... Sergio needs to get his act together. I could see that if he keeps going the way he is, they might get rid of him halfway. Well, they could get rid of him before the end of the year. They've done that before. They have a history of doing that. They have a history of doing that. Sack people. I would suggest that uh, he's got about as solid a future as the AFL coach for the Gold Coast, who was uh, last Friday given utter and complete support by the whole club and everybody, and today he's unemployed. <laughs> well, that's the way it works with those things. All right, let's move on. The calendar came out. Um, we talk about it in auto action. Do we need to talk about it here? Lots of races. No, it's a bit, the only changes is a few Saturday races. Yep, Saturday um, races to deal with Ramadan, which is starts on the tenth of March. So the um, they needed to pull. We're being culturally sensitive now in this modern Formula One world, aren't we? Good for you, Bruce. I was talking to my um, one of my Muslim mates yesterday about it all, so I got the full understanding. I now know. Anyway, so they brought it forward a day, and they had to bring Bahrain forward seven days. So we start with two Saturday races. Into Australia, China's back, Japan's moved up. Speaking of Australia, there's been a bit of chat around. Um, there's a bit of a uh, bit of movement in the um, top end at uh, the uh, Australian Grand Prix headquarters. We, um, the the Age and the Herald Sun last week were talking about uh, Travis Old. For those of you who aren't familiar with the AFL, Travis Old is sort of two or three level two or three in the AFL world. Yeah. He's like right up there. He was the the big tip for the for one of the um, for the internal for the position of CEO of the yeah. AFL, which he obviously didn't get, and now he's the prime candidate, if not already got the job to take over from uh, Andrew Westacott, who yeah. finished up a couple of weeks ago. Yep. Well, the word on the street is that they, he's the one they want, so they've just got to go through the process of getting the government to approve it and the um, AFL to let him out of his contract. So uh, that should be happening. I would think. The AFL to let him out of his contract. They didn't pick him for the top job. They obviously rate him very highly. They'll be doing everything they can to hang on to him. Yes. And it's but it's 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 more complicated than that. But of course now we're hearing um, the Melbourne uh, the Melbourne um, newspapers are reporting that um, Paul Little, who's been the um, the chairman of, uh, Grand of the Grand Prix Corporation for a few years, um, he looks to be um, to be moving on as well. So there's a fair bit happening down at Albert Park. Geez, we should put our hand up. Maybe there's a job going. Yeah, I could put my hand up. Maybe I could be the. Uh... Nah, no, I couldn't. I'm, I'm God forbid. Imagine, imagine dealing with that crap. No. Well, not only that, you have to be a politician. And as anybody listening to this will understand, <laughs> that's not our strong suit. <laughs> I can do it. That's, that's I can what do you it think. You can do it. That's what you think. Bro. I'm not sure about the two of you, but I can do it. You can run on that. 
I, you can do it. <laughs> we, we, it it'd have a very right wing bent, the uh, Grand Prix, if Andrew was to be involved. Oh, uh, I'm not as right wing as you think. Anyway, is there anything else to talk about Formula One? Hungary's next week, so we'll, um, we'll preview that next week. Yep. Uh, I think we can move off that and um, do my little section, my last little section in this show, which is called Anything Else. Did anybody watch Atlanta NASCAR race? Yes, no. I did. No. Oh, it was awesome. Oh, bloody hell, it was a good race. William Byron was a lap down and ended up winning a race, a rain-shortened race. My golly gosh, what a good track. Uh, but it was um, the only time this year it looked like Ford's had a chance to do really well. And then the uh, the rain scuppered their efforts and they um, gave it over to the shed. Are you, are you talking about supercars again? Sorry. No, it's the, um, <laughs> the years. And you know how we don't talk parody in NASCAR. Um, there's clearly a parody issue there because the Toyotas and Jets are far, in a straight line. So anytime it's speed, the Toyotas win. And uh, all the other tracks, Chev win. And every so often, the Ford sticks his nose up to win. So even in NASCAR, the Fords are, um, are falling behind. They had one chance to win, and the rain, well, rain ruined it. They've um, they've uh, invested a lot of money in their uh, GT program. They unveiled their GT4 car the other day. Yep. And I couldn't help but notice when I look at it and think to myself, where did supercars go wrong again? <laughs> that GT4 package, um, that Mustang's a great car. I think it's about 350000 bucks. Um, it's sort of not much difference in NASCAR. So here you've got these, these manufacturers building these cars to these international regulations and things like NASCARs. And here we are, we've invented this car that's 750,000 bucks. And fragile. And I just, I just, I am dumbfounded how we managed to achieve this. I shouldn't, I don't know why I get worked up <laughs> because it's the fools that own the licenses that are the, fool, that are the ones that allowed it to happen. It's not my money. It's their money, but I just find it dumb. It's it's just a joke that it's like. Is it sustainable, Bruce? Is it sustainable? Supercars. Supercars. Well, Bruce just went through some figures. Then, do you reckon it's sustainable at that? Yeah, of course it is. It's sustainable. Seven hundred and fifty thousand a car. Yeah. Remember that this is the first year. Yeah. Okay. Right. So they've all had to spend a lot of money, and they'll eventually they'll stop breaking gear shift gear shift things, and other stuff will will stop breaking and all that. They will get it better, but. Did they make the right call in the first place? No. All they had to do was call up the states and go, what are you doing with NASCAR? Can we send a bike over? Yeah, that looks nice. We'll have 20. Well, they probably could have afforded 26 of them at that we'll, point. We'll have, <laughs> no, we'll have 24. Yeah. 24. It's all about the plane. What the plane holds 24. That's what it's all about, Paul. I remember my good mate Paulie Morris some years ago was looking to buy a, a sprint car of all things. And he was having a bit of trouble getting a sprint car in Australia. So he called up the guy in America and said, how many of them sprint cars can you put in a, in a, in a container? And the guy said, eight. He said, good, I'll have eight. So he brought them <laughs> over here and drove one himself and sold seven. And uh, do you know what what sort of uh, car that was, Paul? Uh, a winning car, I would have said. No, it was, yeah, well, they might have been, but they were J&J chassis, actually, Paul. All right, Bruce. What? Tell me about this issue. What have we got? out tomorrow today sorry out today uh, well tonight tomorrow in, in the news agents um it's jam-packed andrew we've... show the viewers the cover there you go viewers <laughs> there it is there we've obviously had to justify your um your expenses with the taxation department so there's a nice feature we've got a four-page feature on shane's adventures to uh, chicago and and that gets back to what we we're talking about before the relationship or the interaction that you had with shane was was really just quite normal wasn't he? he was pleasant and polite and you know you had a decent conversation so there's a four-page story with Shane and basically talking about how it all came to be and how it went and you look at how Chicago you've got a we've got a story on how Chicago 
got their um, track up and running and what it means to uh, NASCAR for the future. Got a nice chat with Scotty Bro talking about why Shane needs to book himself a flight and get out of Dodge. He may even be offering him a spare room at the back of his house in Charlotte. Yeah, well, he's got a big house now. He's got room for it until the kids arrive. So, yep. Yeah, and uh, we've Shane obviously and Jess, come over. We've got oodles of Formula One coverage and news. We've got uh, all the news from uh, Townsville. We've even got some news about one of the other supercar drivers who looks like he's got a going to have a run in a NASCAR. Yes, yes. Were we supposed to put that in, Andrew? You did send it to me. Were we supposed? Yeah, to put... we're supposed to put that in because um, yes, I'm my 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 because I'm now a NASCAR person. My spies from NASCAR are telling me that uh, Brody Kostecki is going over. Um, so he's about to do uh, do the Indy Road Course. Yep, um, so, that was another good game. Um, he wouldn't uh, he wouldn't talk to me about it, but um, that's uh, that's what I'm told is happening. Uh, I also believe that um, Cam Waters is looking to try and get something later in this year. And there is also, and this is one, a possibility that Van Gisbergen will go over and do an oval before the year is out. Well, that's the single biggest thing for him because, just like Super 2 in Australia, you can't jump straight onto a super speedway in America. There are regulations. It's a different licence level to drive on a, on a super speedway. So for him to get a full-time gig and for him to prove how good he is, he's got to go and do some oval stuff. The other thing is, if he does go and do an oval, it'll be interesting to see who he goes to do it with and where that points to what team he might go with next year. Plenty, plenty of speculation. I think yeah, most teams in um, in NASCAR are pretty keen on him. But uh, anyway, that was just um, Brody Kostecki I was talking about there. So, so how was it? I mean, just to just to change the subject back a little bit. So, two weeks ago or two weekends ago, you're in in Chicago for a full blown street race in NASCAR. You come back to Australia and you're in Townsville for a street circuit race. How did you find it? I mean, what did you what what did you feel when you came back here? And I mean, it's such a closed shop here, but what, what it, small? Well, the funny thing to me is that it, it, it felt small. Like we felt like we were not as excited. We're not as, um, they talk about the competitiveness of supercars and it's really, they measure it by how close they are on the grid, not by what happens out on the track. Um, whereas I think NASCAR talks about its competitiveness by what happens on the tra- on, in the race, not the qualifying. Um, it, it's just small. Um, and people sit around and they sit out the back of their garages and they, they hide from everybody. They have a little bit of a whinge about this and that, whatever. Whereas the NASCAR guys, and even if they are whinging in their own you know, haulers, um, they're not whinging publicly. And they just go out there and they're very polite. They're very nice about things. And- it's America, mate. I understand. The other thing is, if they're out nice and polite, they've got to be one or the other. They've got to be the complete asshole or the nice bloke. But the amount they make out of merch sales is amazing. But the other thing is, I remember some years ago, I can't remember which driver it was, they were at Daytona and he was complaining about where his hauler was parked and that he had to walk a long way to his pit garage, right? And he was complaining and said, you need to move me because I'm not happy here and da-da-da. So you know what they did? They moved him. They moved him to the furthest one away, (laughs) right? That's how they deal with people who get all sooky la la over in NASCAR land. And I think the other thing is that um, if we're talking street tracks like Townsville compared to Chicago, I mean, you're talking a big city and we're right on the edge of the big city. So Chicago is probably a bit more like Adelaide in that sense. Um, Andrew, I know we're probably going longer than what uh, the other bloke feels comfortable with, but um, (laughs) I was deeply concerned about the lack of spectators at uh, Townsville. What was your feeling? It was small. There was a lot of green grass. I can remember the first few races... You know, there was no blades of grass, but you could have landed a helicopter in one of those corners and put yourself down a picnic camper for 30 people. 
and not gotten any anyone's yeah, way. Yeah, I think the, the crowd was a worry and it was a talking point in the in the paddock up there that uh, it, it was noticeable in every What well, was the number for the weekend? Can you remember, Andrew? Well, they claimed 127,000 or something over the three days. Was that what I... No, no. Was it three days or four days? Three days. Three, three days. So what they're talking about is 40,000. The other thing that was mm. a big talking point was the $18 hamburgers. Holy shit. Oh, yeah. $18 hamburgers that were apparently not fit for purpose. <laughs> and um, so... <laughs> Look, in all honesty, I'm going to I'm going to raise it with Barks. I think they've got a problem. Hey, you left it late, but you've managed to get Barks back. Yeah, I managed to mention. <laughs> we're in a text we're in a text exchange over the over the weekend. That's alrighty. Anyway, the long and the short of it is, they've got a real issue. Obviously, they get paid by the vendors to show up, so they're probably grabbing a you know couple of grand off each person to yep. show up and have their dim sim van there. Yep. But if you're a family and you're paying 75 bucks for a ticket or whatever it is, somewhere between 50 and 80 bucks for a yep. ticket for the one day, so you take yourself and your two sons along and they're both over 16. So there's... Uh, the best. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Yeah, be careful there. Yes, you, you, you take yourself and your two daughters. We've got to be equal opportunity. I don't have to be because <laughs> most of the girls I know aren't interested in supercars. So I'm talking about, a, you know, a normal human being. That is one of the differences between here and NASCAR is NASCAR has a lot of females. So anyways, let's say that you take, you go to the you go yep. to the races and you take two children, gender non-specified people along under the age of, uh, over the age of 16. And there's, uh, there's the best part of 200 bucks or more. Yep. Then you, you buy them lunch. You're not going to get out of there without spending probably $300, $400. Yeah. That's a lot of money. Now, I'm betting that the reason the crowds are starting, that places like Townsville are starting to drop off because of the expense, the cost of going. I reckon Barclay and his mates need to forgo the cost of the few dollars they earn from their vendor kickbacks and say to these vendors, sorry, if you can't sell a hamburger for 8 or 10 bucks or whatever it might be and a can of Coke for $3 and a beer for 6 bucks or whatever, then you're not coming here. Because people will stay away. Especially when you're hearing the average mortgage has gone up $400 a week. Yeah. So here's the interesting thing. You know where the cheapest hamburger was at the Grand Prix? Outside? No, in the corporate area. No, inside the Mercedes-Benz area. Oh, you mentioned that. No, 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 no. You could buy it. You could buy access, but they actually had food in there. And at, at realistic prices. Yeah, but it costs you a thousand bucks to get in there. No, it doesn't. Not to just go and sit in a seat. But the thing about it is, they realised that they had to, even though they were paying a premium price to get into their area, that the, the price of all the add-on add -on costs, like you're talking about, like food, which is the biggest one, had to be realistic. Yeah, no, it's a it's a big issue. Cost I think, is a huge factor with I it. I mean, I went to the football with my daughter the other night and we bought some fish and chips and some... You know, a couple. She had a soft drink and a ginger beer, and a and I had a had a beer and, and a couple of coffees, and I think all up it might have cost us forty or fifty bucks. But if you went to supercars and had spent the same thing, you'd probably be up for a hundred bucks. Yeah, yeah. And that's something you know. They've if you look at the demographics and whatever. That if we want, if this is if this is a long term investment in the sport, they need to seriously think about the kids, engaging the kids, getting the the parents to bring their non gender specific under underlings along offspring so that they can engage with the sport early and I, become enthusiasts i remember having this conversation with brad jones once and brad jones said oh but we only come to town once a year so it's a special event 
Um, and I think you missed the point is that you are competing with the other sporting codes. That's right. Kids aren't interested in just one sport. They're multidisciplinary. They're, I mean, you know, my kids played basketball and football and this and that, whatever. Yeah. So kids have got multiple interests. So you're going to take them along to a car race, but they like football and they like rugby league and they like soccer and they like this. I can take them to, I could go to a weekend and I could go to a rugby league game, a soccer game and a football game but less money than it takes me to one supercar race. And I think the interesting thing now too is that you don't see a, a family going for the whole weekend. They they will go on one yeah. day. And that, I suppose, is one of the benefits of them having a race on a Saturday and yeah. a race on a Sunday. Yep. But people's lives are busy now. So I, I think that's part of the problem too. People, the numbers aren't there because people aren't going for both days. Yeah, and I think a lot of people are saying, oh, it's because of the Fords are uncompetitive. I, oh, I, I don't funny. think it was actually that. I think it's other factors. It's financial. Cost is a big thing. I'd say cost of living has gone up so massively in this last year that um, it's very hard to uh, to afford the luxuries in life, which is supercars. And of course, if you're a, if you're a proper supercars fan, you've probably got KO or Fox or whatever, and yep. so you can stay at home and watch it. Yep, exactly. We can listen to Neil and Mark. <laughs> All righty. I reckon that's enough for this yeah, show. that's enough. What do we reckon? That's like a wrap. Done. Thanks, PG. Bye. Thank you, Paul. Thank you, Neville. Thanks, guys. See you, guys. See you. Bye. Each week, find out what the men behind the V8 news know and what the drivers and teams are going to do next. It's interviews and opinions on Inside Supercars. My predecessor, Roland Dane, did a very, very good job. We're no longer shareholders of the build business. Personally, I think a 500 and the build up to the 1000 is, is a good thing. Tune in for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.